Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 18th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, Senator Lindsey Graham talks about his recent trip to the southern border, the future of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and what the Virginia gubernatorial race could mean for the midterms. We catch you up on the latest efforts to bring more South Carolinians online thanks to millions of dollars flowing into the state for broadband. And Johnson & Johnson folks get one step closer to getting a second shot. We hear from an expert at Johns Hopkins over the debate on mixing and matching vaccines and transmissibility among the vaccinated. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from y'all about your life during these mm, more certain times, I'd like to say. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. We love hearing from you guys. Great messages. I think the hopper's foolish, a little full, getting close to E. We could always use more. We love hearing from you guys. So drop us a phone call at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,319 total deaths, and currently there are 887,535 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 18th at 4 p.m. We just had our sixth week of declining cases and our fourth week of declining deaths. Our current percent positive is 5.3%. Right now, 987 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, 307 are in intensive care, and 204 are on ventilators. All these numbers are down week over week. 11 children are hospitalized with COVID-19, two are in critical care, and one is on a ventilator. Right now, 54.1% or 2.32 million eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Last week, Senator Lindsey Graham once again visited the U.S.-Mexican border, this time in Arizona, and continued to sound the alarm about its security and the conditions Border Patrol agents face daily that have impacts nationwide. Here's Senator Graham. It's a disaster. <laughs> the southern border in the United States is a complete disaster. I went to Arizona, not Texas. I went to the Yuma sector uh, along the Arizona-Mexican border, and I saw a tremendous spike in illegal immigrant crossing. In all of 2020, there was 8,000 apprehensions by the Border Patrol. This year alone, October, they're up to 114,000 in a year, with no end in sight. Uh, nobody from Mexico, mostly coming from Venezuela, uh, Brazil, a big group from Brazil, Uzbekistan, Russia, literally all over the world, 80 countries. And uh, there's sort of a scam going on uh, with the Brazilians. 46,000 Brazilians have come into the United States <clears throat> turning themselves in and asking for asylum in the last year. And at the Yuma sector, here's what's happening. Uh, Brazilians seem to be pretty well off to me, smartly dressed, would take a plane from Brazil to Cancun, Mexico on a tourist visa, uh, spend a couple of days in Cancun, either rent a car or take a bus to the U.S. border. Uh, be dropped off right by our border, take the luggage out of the back of the car, off the bus, and walk up to a Border Patrol agent and turn themselves in and ask for asylum. Many of them had uh, um, 
flights booked inside the United States because I said relatives or friends. And this has taken a lot of time with the Border Patrol to process these people. The ones that I saw were smartly dressed, had better luggage than I did, and this needs to stop. That there was Graham clarifying some of his remarks from Fox News last week when he said, quote, We had 40,000 Brazilians come through the Yuma sector alone, headed for Connecticut, wearing designer clothes and Gucci bags, quote. Now, asked by the Washington Post for evidence, Graham's office handed over a picture of a handbag, but the newspaper concluded that it was most likely not a Gucci bag. And Graham's office also provided the Post another picture of a person wearing fairly clean Puma tennis shoes without shoelaces. Graham slammed the Biden administration, saying it's in denial over the border crisis, stopped using policies that worked, and is not doing enough to physically secure the border. NBC News reports that next month, the Biden administration is set to restart Trump's Remain in Mexico policy, which forces migrants seeking asylum to wait in Mexico for their U.S. immigration court hearings. This after the administration lost a legal battle over the suspension of the policy in April. President Biden had ended the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy when he took office this year, saying it was inhumane because of the violence migrants faced waiting in Mexico for their court hearings. Texas and Missouri sued the Biden administration in April over the suspension of Remain in Mexico, which is formerly known as Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP. In August, a federal judge in Texas ordered the Biden administration to reinstate the policy pending the outcome of the suit. Here's Senator Graham. They don't understand how to fix the problem. Uh, they're in denial about the problem, and until they embrace policies that Trump had, uh, they're not going to fix it. And it's hard for any president to embrace the policy of a former president, but sometimes you should. I think one of the most complicated things for any president to do is what to keep of the past president and what to change. And I think they've made a huge mistake. They've abandoned every policy along the border that worked. They stopped building the wall. There, there are sections of the wall laying on the ground with a hole is, that you can drive an army through. This is stupid. It's ridiculous. Because Trump did it, doesn't mean it's wrong. Hmm. So the Border Patrol is uh, being abandoned, in my view. My word's not theirs. They're under stress that I just don't know how they handle. So that breaks my heart. And I can show you some conditions down there where people are living on top of each other um, in these facilities. Border Patrol doing the best they can, but my point is, when Trump did it, it was all the rage. Morning, noon, and night, wall-to-wall coverage. The only people that seem to care about the border is Fox News, unfortunately. And if you go there, if you came with me, I think all of you would be moved to want to do something. So what you see in Texas is going to Arizona. That's my message, that the debacle in Texas is about to hit the Yuma sector. Graham also spoke about the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill that he helped get passed in the Senate, but which has been caught up in the House for weeks now. There's an expected vote later this month, according to Speaker Nancy Pelosi, but Graham blamed liberal Democrats for holding much-needed infrastructure investment hostage. I I wish they would pass something that would help our roads and bridges and ports. Uh, Electric cars are going to be the norm down the road. Uh, I'd like to accelerate the ability to put electric cars on the road. That bill is being held hostage. Bernie Sanders has said openly, no bipartisan bill until the three and a half, five trillion dollar socialist package is passed. The Democratic Party uh, seems to be on a path of open borders, uh, antagonistic to policing, seem to be oblivious to the terrorism threats that are rising. So there's three things we've surrendered. 
We surrendered our streets in certain big cities because they declared war on the cops and the ability to police. We surrendered our border to drug cartels and human traffickers. And we surrendered Afghanistan to a terrorist organization called the Taliban. These three things are making us less safe and less prosperous. To my Democratic friends, you had a lot to say about Trump policies. Where are you? Why don't you speak up? Because this is a humanitarian disaster at the border. Border, border towns are under siege. Um, step up at the plate. And are you following the Virginia governor's race? It's the only big race happening this year because the Commonwealth loves having off-year gubernatorial elections for their chief executive that can't serve consecutive terms. But it's shaping up to be a close one in the Democratic state. Graham briefly gave his take on the race and the broader implications for the 2022 midterms and beyond. I think it's a bellwether, but it's unique to Virginia. All races for governor are unique to that state, but there's a national component to it. Let's put it this way. If it's close, our youngin wins, that's a real bad sign for Democrats in 2022 because Trump lost Virginia by 10 points. So the fact that you're talking about a competitive race just a, you know, a little over a year after the election, uh, I guess less than a year after the election, surprises me. Uh, it looks like education is a big issue. You know, how much say should a parent have about their children? I think the Democratic view of that is a lot different than the Republican view, and there are a lot of frustrated parents out there. So I think education, the role of the parents in education seems to be on the ballot in Virginia, and we'll see how that plays out. And put this on your calendars, folks, or maybe I'll just, you know, pay attention to it for you. Don't worry. That's what I'm here for. Later this week, a state Senate subcommittee will receive testimony on a dozen redistricting maps for state Senate districts that have been submitted by individuals and groups. You can watch it on sestatehouse.gov, and you can also go there as well, click on the redistricting link right on the homepage, and you'll be able to see those submitted maps. We'll bring you an update in Saturday's podcast. Yes, the U.S. House of Representatives should be holding a vote by Halloween on the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. Under that proposal right now, South Carolina would see some $5 billion come to the state, including at least $100 million to expand broadband here. Currently, there are millions of dollars rolling out in the state to tackle the problem of getting 190,000 households wired, including American Rescue Plan money that still has to be appropriated by state lawmakers. Jim Stritzinger is over the recently formed Office of Broadband, which came online after the pandemic last year. It's part of the Office of Regulatory Staff. He was before a House subcommittee meeting on ARPA money this week, but we spoke to him on This Week in South Carolina last week about what's happening on the ground now. Here's Jim. COVID has laid bare the challenge that we've got. It's made it abundantly clear to Mm. everybody that we have to fix this problem of digital connectivity. And so we've been working really hard on it um, to attack this challenge and to make money move in the right directions. And mapping is central to it all. But um, simply stated, the green areas are good. Those are already served areas. The white areas are where nobody lives. And then I tell everybody to look for the freckles. Mm -hmm. Those are the places where we have a lot of homes and the internet sucks, (laughs) you know, to (laughs) be cheeky about, right? And so by by looking for the freckles, these are the places where we can find a lot of homes. And that's also really interesting as well, because one home equals one customer for an internet service provider. 
So just because 10 residents live in that home doesn't give that internet service provider 10 customers. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to have one home, one customer, right? Gotcha. And so the, the best possible way that you can bring internet into the family home today is with fiber optic cable. I think everybody knows that. Honestly, it'll catch some people by surprise. We have extremely strong connectivity in Colleton County, uh, Abbeville County. Smaller counties in the state. Smaller counties have, um, they started way back when it wasn't popular to do so, mm -hmm. and they rebuilt the whole county. Um, Horry County is very well, uh, Lexington County, and uh, really a lot of the upstate is covered very well too with cable. So the cable and fiber connected homes are where we have strong connectivity. And then where we're really struggling, of course, in the state of South Carolina is um, the DSL areas, uh, digital subscriber line is when internet came into the family home with um, twisted pair uh, mm -hmm. copper, mm -hmm. old school copper. And the thing that keeps me up at night is the pink, the pink areas in the state. These are the places where no, um, no internet service provider exists. And uh, so literally a resident will pick up their phone and try to call and install internet service and it's not available. That's what we call an access problem versus an adoption problem. So access is physical infrastructure and adoption is the choice to subscribe to service. And how do we overcome that problem? I mean, tell us what we're doing right now to maybe make some headway in these pink areas you're talking about. So um, we're trying to bring, uh, that's where investment comes in. Um, it's helpful to understand the economics of broadband. Okay. So uh, one mile of buried fiber optic cable costs about $40,000. Mm. Um, one, uh, one mile of aerial delivery, in other words, on telephone poles, costs about 28,000 miles. So to go multiple miles to reach three or four family homes is very mm. difficult. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have what we have right now, um, you know, lack of internet in these areas because of the fact that the economics haven't made sense for, uh, for those communities. So the way you fix that and the way we change the calculus is by making investments. Mm -hmm. So um, the way that investments happen for these sparsely populated areas is with subsidy from either the federal government or the state government. And mm -hmm. that's what's really neat about the broadband office now is we have the ability with support of uh, Department of Commerce most recently and the General Assembly to make direct investments into the broadband infrastructure mm -hmm. to, to push out internet where it's never been before. Really exciting thing is we were able to collab collaborate with South Carolina Department of Commerce this past January and um, we got another $30 million and we had a grant program that started at the beginning of half of the year. We got all of those awarded and we're going to connect about right around 19,000 homes with that money. Hmm. And we focused those principally on 14 um, counties that were chosen for us by the General Assembly. And um, that's an exciting time. And combined with that, we have federal investment happening in parallel. <laughs> and that was our big challenge, is to make sure that state money and federal money we're not overlapping each other and we're getting the biggest bang for the buck we can get for the state of South Carolina. Again, that was Jim Stritzinger with the Office of Broadband talking about the future of broadband in our state. And he mentioned in the next 18 months, he expects to see some 25,000 homes connected to the internet. And Jim was speaking to me on This Week in South Carolina. It was our infrastructure special, which you can find on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. We'll have a ports update for you on Saturday. And unlike California, which has ships waiting offshore to unload, understandably because it's one of the biggest ports in the world, South Carolina is not experiencing any such delays at the moment. 
right, where are my Johnson and Johnson people at, huh? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all can rejoice. I know you've been holding your breath for a while. And that's because CNBC reports that the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee recommended that the agency authorize boosters of Johnson & Johnson's single-shot COVID-19 vaccine to the more than 15 million Americans who have already received the initial dose. Yeah, that's all of them. All 15 million. No restrictions here. Again, the panel recommended the boosters to everyone 18 and over who's already received J&J's first shot at least two months after the initial dose. Many committee members said it should be considered a two-dose vaccine, much like Moderna's and Pfizer's. And this is because one dose of J&J's vaccine has been shown in studies to be comparatively less effective than the two-dose messenger RNA vaccines made by Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna. So to recap, everyone who has received the J&J shot is one step closer to getting a second one. Let's look at the next steps, though. The FDA typically follows the advice of this committee, and a final decision is expected shortly. Then, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Vaccine Advisory Group will decide this week who should get the extra J&J shots. If it issues a recommendation and CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky signs off, booster shots could begin immediately. But let's stick with this a little bit more. I listened to the weekly Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center briefing last Friday, where their experts take questions and give insight into the latest data and trends. Dr. Bill Moss is the executive director of the International Vaccine Access Center at Hopkins and said the Johnson Johnson decision, which was unanimous, underwent vigorous debate. But more discussion is needed for a different booster approach. Here's Dr. Moss. The more controversial things, well, there, there will be a discussion uh, after that uh, with around results of a study from the NIH looking at mixed and mass approach. And the data, the preliminary data that were released suggests that um, those who got initially a Johnson & Johnson dose and then got a Moderna or even a Pfizer had a much higher uh, rise in antibody levels. So I don't think we're going to see a decision on this today, um, but this is a very important question. Should people who got the J&J vaccine get a, a, a second dose with an mRNA vaccine? Dr. Moss also delved into questions that surrounded booster doses and the discussions that take place when it comes to who should get the boosters and what the goal of these vaccines are. Is it to prevent moderate to severe disease and hospitalizations due to COVID to make it a more mild, manageable disease? Or are we trying to really stop transmission and infection altogether? The debate continues, according to Dr. Maas. But it's very important that we have a clear idea of what our goal is with the vaccines as we talk about booster doses. When we have high levels of neutralizing antibody, and particularly antibodies on our mucosal surfaces, our immune system is going to be much more effective at preventing the spread of the virus uh, once it's entered our bodies and really minimizing any disease symptoms. Um, but those antibodies, those high levels of neutralizing antibodies in our blood are not going to last for a long time. We just cannot maintain that with these vaccines. So what's really critical are what we call our memory immune responses. And that kicks in, uh, you know, a few days later after exposure to the virus in a vaccinated individual. And that's what really protects us against severe uh, COVID. Um, so one of the questions that we ask when we're thinking about booster doses is, is there evidence of waning immunity? But it's very, we need to be very careful how we define that. What are we calling waning immunity? We are going to see decreasing levels of antibodies over time, but are we losing protection against severe disease? That's the real question. And transmission continues to be something people talk about and debate when it comes to getting the vaccine and one of the important reasons why folks should get the shot, according to Dr. Moss. 
Remember the other day when we mentioned a study that unvaccinated people have a higher chance of reinfection than those who are vaccinated? We talk antibodies a lot, but the vaccine helps reduce the reinfection rate and transmission as well. Here's Dr. Moss one last time. You know, these kind of transmission studies aren't aren't easy to do. But what I can say is that, you know, a fully vaccinated person um, is at much lower risk. Uh, should they become infected uh, with SARS-CoV-2 is at much lower risk of transmitting that virus. Um, the, the, that duration of what we call the infectious period, the duration at which they're uh, infectious is shorter. The amount of virus uh, in their nasal pharynx is, is lower. So they're going to be at lower risk of transmitting infection. And the vaccinated individual comes into contact with that person is also going to be at lower risk of uh, you know, of, of certainly, you know, getting uh, moderate to severe disease. Um, but depending upon, you know, kind of what their antibody levels are, what their immune response is, maybe the timing after vaccination, they may also be at, at lower risk of even getting mild, mild disease or even detectable infection. So you've got a lower risk of, of transmission and a lower risk of, uh, of getting infected with the exposure. And that combination creates uh, an even lower. The probability is not zero, but it's quite low. And we expect to hear a decision about whether children aged 5 to 11 will be eligible for the Pfizer vaccine later this month. And before we leave, a troubling tidbit on the way out from the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security email, which I love. I quote a lot in this in this podcast because it's just a really great resource for all the pertinent COVID news. But this this is a little worrisome. A self-selecting survey by Nature of more than 300 scientists who have spoken publicly about COVID-19 in media interviews or on social media found 15% said they had received death threats, with nearly 60% of those surveyed saying they had faced other forms of harassment or abuse. Notably, most researchers said their experiences with media interviews were positive, but those who reported the highest frequency of personal attacks or trolling were also the most likely to indicate a reduced willingness to speak with the media in the future. Nature predicts that these results could have a chilling effect on science communication. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on in your world. We've been getting some great phone calls, and we look forward to hearing from you guys all the time. You can leave us a message by calling 803-563-7169. Leave us a message one to three minutes long. Give us your name. Where are you calling from? What's going on? Anything. Preach. I know some of you are listening, and they're like, oh, I don't know. Should I call? Should I call? Just call. Just, just call. Pick up you the know phone what? now and dial 803-563-7169. You know we, you know, we have plenty of things for you to weigh in on, like food. <laughs> <laughs> That's Halloween a good point, costumes, Gavin. Candy corn. <laughs> well, let me think. All the important we got. Topics. We got so many, so many. Food. Food. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> fashion, food, fashion, and culture. <laughs> food, fashion, and fun. The three Fs of, of phone calls. So um, anyway, Gavin, we I, have been getting... Oh, you want to prompt me? I, I, Go ahead. No, I just Go, wanted to can, say, I know Meg mentioned that we still have our, our... The message on the machine is cool cats and kittens from... Uh, Tiger yes, King. I haven't changed it, but it's kind of funny because it was—it's a little bit of a it's time a, it's capsule a from that, yeah, yeah, from those days. So, yeah, but I'm not—I guess I ruined the surprise if you haven't called. If you haven't called, you'd love it. You'd love it. You're gonna love the way hey, you look. 
you're gonna you, when you're here, you're gonna love the way you look and your family. family. So anyway, Gavin, we got a lot of family phone calls here. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, we're gonna double dip. Ooh. I love you know yes. you know your boy loves a double dipper. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're gonna double dip today because we have a long time caller and a first time caller. So Ooh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna juxt- juxtapose those when mm-hmm. they're boo, you know. So anyway, fusion, 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 and pumas. Anyway, so uh, let's go. Hey guys, it's Rose in Greenville County. Just catching up with you. Spent the summer doing a lot of camping, being outdoors, um, actually walking, taking a walk now. Um, I've got one in high school, brick and mortar, half day dual enrollment at the community college. The other half of the day, and, and that's going really well. That student is loving the, the fact that masks are mandatory on the, on the campus there. Virtual students doing great. Uh, been really happy with the Greenville County virtual program this year. They're, they're just awesome. The Girl Scouts are alive and kicking. Uh, we've been meeting outside every week and getting ready for a, a couple night tent camping experience coming up, which is uh, a lot of fun. Going to make some elephant toothpaste and all that fun stuff that parents just don't want to deal with at home. So I'm really looking forward to that. Beyond that, the works still blended and don't uh, really have a sense of time yet. The days all run together still, working from home, and it's amazing that here we are in October. I'm going to work the polls again this year. We have local elections, so I'm going through poll worker training again for that. Just remind people to head out to the polls if there's elections in their area. And Gavin, you mentioned that you were wearing a sweater. How the heck are you wearing a sweater, dude? It's like barely cool enough for not sweating. It's not sweater weather yet. What's going on? Anyway, take care, guys. Always love listening to you every pod. Rose, always great to hear from you. It sounds like things are going well with the family. That's awesome. And I I can't believe it's also October, too. We're midway through October already. My gosh, it's been just cruising by. Um, I can't remember which day I was wearing that sweater, but it was. It had to be. It had to be warranted. It must have been a You're little a chilly. You're a sweater guy. Come on. I will say no. I, I you know, I going. You out can't around keep this town, guy out of sweaters. Going out around town, going to the gym, even the middle of the day in the in the, in the summertime, you'd see people with hoodies on, and I'm like, what? Where am Psychopaths. I? Yeah. What is this? So I'm not like that level. I don't know what you're that not even that is. southern yet. You're not that southern. Yeah, yet. where it's 85 degrees and I gotta put a hoodie on. But it, Caitlin, it's getting chilly again. Caitlin's club. Yeah. Caitlin is cold and it's like 57 out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Caitlin, if we were in Jersey, that's that's short weather. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, you're changed. Cool you're changed. I'm glad that I'm glad you're going uh, camping too. I yeah, mean, I want to go camping. I don't like camping. I'm on the record. I don't like camping. You don't like the outdoors. Period. I like outdoors, but, but then I like to go indoors <laughs> after that. You know, like I, I like to sleep in a bed. So more power to you, Rose. Uh, thank yeah, you for right calling. On, right You're on. always doing your work as a listener. Thank you so much. Anytime you call, it is a treat. So anyway, you're a longtime listener, longtime caller, and we love you for that. But we're going to get to a first-time caller. Oh. Okay? Are you okay with that, Gavin? Of course. Hello, South Carolina leaders. This is Scott. I live in Simpsonville. I work in Greenville. This is my first time calling, long-time listener, first-time caller, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my COVID experience was I work in a doctor's office in Greenville. We stayed open for the whole pandemic, although we're a fairly large office, so some of us got furloughed. Some of us worked from home. It was very weird because I wasn't staying at home like everybody else. I wasn't on the front lines getting overwhelmed by COVID patients like the folks in the hospitals. 
So it was very much a bizarre Twilight Zone kind of experience. Uh, now we're more or less back to normal. Um, everyone in the family is vaccinated. Had to be because we had some sick folks in the family that were at high risk. So everyone got vaccinated except my youngest. We're still waiting for the vaccine to be approved for her. Fingers crossed. Uh, life in Simpsonville and Greenville is just moving along. Masks are more visible than they used to be, but uh, not completely widespread. But that's, you know, I think that's true everywhere in the world. So, um, in general, like the show. Hope you guys are doing well. And keep the faith or whatever. Thanks. Bye. Scott from Simpsonville, thank you for calling. We love a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, thanks for all you do. And, yes, that sounds like an interesting working situation during the pandemic. I know everyone's had yeah. some weird ones. We love hearing from everyone and, and understanding how they made it through and how they're still handling the situation. So love that. And I love that we got the upstate really covered today. We got Rose and Greenville. Yeah, we had Scott from upstate. Simpsonville. Yeah. And we were just in an undisclosed upstate area doing spooky yes. pod stuff. So, and I'm going uh, to Greenville tomorrow. So, I mean, it's upstate season, it seems like. I'm going to probably bu- I'll, I'll bundle up. <laughs> bundle. I mean, it was cooler up there. It was when we were yeah. sitting out in the woods in the dark. I don't know if it makes you colder in the dark. But anyway, Gavin, there's something I want to talk to you real quick before we leave. Mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. Scott, thank you so much for calling. Call in again. Call in, give us some some updates, you know. Uh, but Gavin, I ha- uncovered something about you. You you are historically, any listener will know that you brag about not having a microwave. Yeah. But your parents gave you one for your birthday and you kept it in your car forever. Kept right? it in my car and then I moved it from the backseat of my car to the floor of my kitchen. Yes. And I would move it around to get to the you know, the washer and dryer. <laughs> and then I finally took it out because I was like, oh, I mean I don't have that much I don't have that much counter space and I don't, don't use a microwave. I haven't don't. had one yeah. for a decade. Brag. Didn't yeah. ask for it, but I said thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, what am I going to use this for? Yeah, you're gracious. Everyone knows about me. Humble. Everyone knows gracious, that about you. Selfless. <laughs> all the blast. Hashtag, yeah. All of, um, all but yeah, so uh, I've been using it now for a couple, couple but, months. So you've been uh, clandestinely using this microwave wave I've, while I've been using main- it. You've been, but you've been maintaining your street cred of not microwave by by not disclosing this. this oh, is, don't ask me. I'm, is, not, I'm not hiding anything from people here. This is this is hiding by omission at best for me. <laughs> I'm supposed to but, tell you how I'm consuming yes, my food. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's, so, actually, that's in my contract. I forgot about that. Yes, that's that. We have that in writing. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble. All right. But anyway, you disclosed to me on Friday night that every morning. You Most cook mornings. your eggs in the microwave. I've changed my ways, yes. So every you went from uh, no microwave to every day using a microwave to heat up the worst thing you could do in a microwave. I don't heat them up. I cook them. Eggs. I'm not heating yeah. up eggs. Full cooked. It is fully cooked. I will, show, I, think, I will put this on the Instagram. I, I want you to. The I want to see. Are I want to see. They're perfectly uh, done. Two and minutes. FYI. A perfect. I want to know what you think a perfectly done egg is. First, it's perfectly done. Well, it's not going to be like AT's version of like, oh, well, we have to sauté it for six minutes and then we have to flip <laughs> it and we have to put more butter and like, I'm not doing all that crap. I'm just cooking an egg so I can put it on some toast and go on with my morning. I'm just here for. I'm like my, my all my consumption habits for food. <laughs> it is strictly just for sustenance. I could yeah. easily spend the time and really do up my meals, but I'm the only one eating them, so I'm like. Am I going to just go ahead and make some quinoa and then eat it late night after a long night out of the fridge? Yes. I don't care. You know, I'll, I do these things. I'm not like putting on a show for people. This is Gavin's this to me, I mean, life. Every, every day is a show for me. I, I live life with flair well, yeah, You have pizzazz. to make dinner for your wife. You make lunch for Kayla. I'm like, that's wonderful. But my life, I don't really care for such things. 
I don't know, man. I think you're selling yourself short. And I mean, I just don't I, have the I, time in, for it. I don't. I don't have in time. my head, I see you uh, nuking an egg into a rock <laughs> yeah. and putting it on some. <laughs> I hot don't even bread. crack the eggs. They're full. They are in their little shells, and then they explode. <laughs> and then they I scrape it out with the bread. Yeah. I to me to me this is tantamount to croc wearing and I'd love to see what Meg Perhaps. has to say about this and the listeners. Well, so, Meg is I mean, too. I mean, Meg juices every day. I mean, God bless her. She's she's putting the time in there and has a full blown juice bar because she can because she needs to. She gotta she gotta you but, gotta keep. Juiced. I mean, I can just put it in there for two minutes, run away and do something else. Come back. You said it. Put it you forget toast. it. Oh, instead of having to babysit it on the the stove. Oh, this is a game changer. Set it and forget it. Just like my Instapot. Set it and walk away. Let me do something I, I else. I was appalled by this, and so was everyone around us. Well, so, but uh, you you held strong, and I'll give you credit for that. You <laughs> live your own I respect, life. Live your I own life. I respect you for that. I respect you for that. But anyway, Gavin, take it out. I mean, if, yeah, if, I mean, if, if you come over and we have a breakfast, I will scramble up a bunch of eggs. I'll do a big scramble. But you know, for me, mm, I would love I to know I, what listeners again, think about so this. So selfless, and just you know, just here to do what I need to do to survive. Rose, what do you think? The, was was the the sweater the first straw, and this the last <laughs> one? Like, I really want to know. A campfire, baby. <laughs> this is this is high class. <laughs> well, take it out. Say goodbye to the folks. Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Rose and Scott for calling, as always. And you guys can stay up to date with the latest news on South Carolina ETV and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Have you seen my hair? <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I'm a pilot. I'm a stockbroker. I'm a firefighter. I'm anything I'm I want to be. whatever I want to be. <laughs> because I can be. This man, he can only be a murderer. But he's not because he's never killed anybody. Look at his hair. That's exonerated. <laughs>